Most people in the Salesforce ecosystem identify Talent Stacker as a platform for entry-level Salesforce professionals. But what a lot of people don't know is that we actually also serve established Salesforce professionals. If you want to check out our free resources for leveling up your Salesforce career, make sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash CAP. That's talentstacker.com forward slash CAP. And you can get a free Salesforce Career Accelerator Toolkit, helping you with everything from planning your career goals, designing a strategy to implement those goals into reality, helping you with salary negotiation for landing a new job or with your current employer, as well as much more. So be sure to check out that Career Accelerator Toolkit. If Anita's employer is uh, listening, if you could just go ahead and exit now. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening listening to the the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone Everyone podcast. In today's show, our guest busts some common myths about developers. It's not like that. I'm not in a dark cave somewhere. I'm not staring at six screens. I'm not hacking. None of this is happening. Also, we tackle some of the job concerns around AI replacement. The ability to talk to another individual, being able to communicate with them and being empathetic. And I don't think that's anything a bot of any type is ever going to replace. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be covering, similar to the last few episodes, another Salesforce role. And this episode is going to be all about being a Salesforce developer, what a day in the life might look like, what you might do to break into that type of role, and really everything surrounding the Salesforce developer topic. And with me, as always, we have Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. Been really busy recently with house repairs, you know, picking out colors. I feel like I'm going to paint the whole house with sample colors <laughs> by the time I make a decision. I recently have been a co-mentor for a Trailblazer Mentorship Circle. So have been doing that. We have a group of about six people that actually show up to our meetings, which have been amazing. And also, I'm on the planning committee for Texas Dreaming, so I've been helping out with that as well. How's it going with you? Uh, it's also been busy. I think you might win the the busy award in the Salesforce space <laughs> right now. I have not been doing all of that, but I know you're also involved with like the career advancement program stuff that we're working on. So there's even more than you listed, which is pretty wild. Um, you also have a job, as, as I recall. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm not that busy. We've been doing a little bit of travel, you know, like you also have been helping out with Texas Stream in a little bit. And so we will be quite busy. But that does not keep us from having this podcast. And, you know, it's a lot of fun to have these conversations. So we always make time to to come hang out with amazing guests, like the guests we're going to have on today. So can you tell us who we're talking to, Anita? Yeah, I'm really excited to introduce this guest. She is a five-time certified Salesforce developer, Tamara Chance. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Really excited to have you here. All the other talent sectors I usually talk to go straight into admin or business analyst, but you went into developer. Can you tell me a little bit about your path? Sure. So I started in the talent sector space going on almost two years now. It's been almost two years since I joined. And I did... The study group, I got certified and I saw in the news, there was like a one minute, uh, not an ad, but they just mentioned that a local consulting firm 
they were going to be sponsoring a free coding bootcamp. And I didn't know a lot about consulting firms at that time, but I knew that was probably where I wanted to be. I did a little research on the company. They had a Salesforce practice and they pretty much hired out of those boot camps. Like they had done it once before and it was really just a way for them to curate talent. So I decided to give it a shot and it was going to be four months of learning full stack web development. And it was pretty much a guaranteed job at the end, almost a guaranteed job at the end. I still had to interview and everything, but I figured why not? Yeah, that's... So four months. So that's a big commitment, right? The for I mean, it's guaranteed as long as you complete the four months. I imagine yeah. <laughs> there are people who do not um, make it through that type of commitment. So what made you say, I was interested enough in being a developer and taking that route? Were you just open to kind of anything and just really open-minded to whatever it takes to break into tech? Is that what made you decide, you know, I'll do a four-month boot camp on top of doing, you know, Talent Stackers program and I'm just going to make this thing happen. Was that really the mindset? I think I saw it as like a backdoor way into a consulting firm because I knew they would hire out of it. And being in a developer could only make me a better admin. So why not be open to it? You know, the skill set, I knew that it would be valuable. Even if I just went into an admin role, having the ability to understand formula fields is just skill set. <laughs> and then wait, I just want to clarify, you had no technical experience before this, right? No web development or anything? None. No, I came from the nonprofit space prior to this. And I had actually been out of work since about beginning of 2020. So I really didn't have any kind of tech background. I probably wouldn't have even described myself as a technical person prior to joining Talentstacker. That's really interesting because you don't hear that often. That's a pretty unusual, like if I talk to people about becoming developers right out of the gates, typically that's because they either already know how to code in some other way, or they're just genuinely interested in programming and that's just what they want to do. So I guess looking back at that journey to becoming a developer and breaking in, do you think that's repeatable for other people? Would you recommend like others that you've met or worked with or networked with to take a route like that? Or, you know, are there considerations that others should keep in mind before taking the plunge and just saying, I don't come from a tech background. In fact, I've got a career gap and suddenly I'm going to be a Salesforce developer here in a few months. So I used to think that coding was like this really big deal and it was going to be so hard to do and I wasn't going to know how to do it, but it's actually just a small amount of syntax to learn. And then it's applicable across multiple languages. So you learn one and you've learned a lot. So in any language, there is grammar that you have to follow. In English, there's grammar. In JavaScript, there's grammar. And how you define a variable, how you create a for loop, those things are generally going to be the same, whether you're doing Java, Apex, JavaScript, Python, and so forth. The words might look a little different. You might have to look up the documentation to see exactly how it works. But the concept of what it's doing is going to be the same no matter what, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So for all of our listeners out there, if you aren't familiar with development, Salesforce has their own development language called Apex, which I've heard is very similar to Java. Is that correct? It is. It is very similar to Java. But I want to point out that my coding bootcamp, I didn't learn Java. I didn't learn Java. I learned JavaScript more so, you know, it's a coding language that's not what they call strictly typed, which just means that you don't have to 
define everything. You can be a little loose. You know that stereotype where you're like, oh, I'm missing a semicolon somewhere and my stuff's not working. Yeah, you're going to have that issue in Apex, but not really in JavaScript. All right. So I'm actually really intrigued by this because I've never gotten into Salesforce development, even after you know 12 years of experience in Salesforce. I was always just weary, right? Like I was the person who was kind of like, look, if I can make it work being a great communicator, I'll do the documentation, I'll manage the projects, I'll gather the requirements, I'll implement the declarative, the point and click kind of things. But man, don't make me do coding. And I'll admit that I've always been that way a little bit. Like uh, for people who are around a few years ago, when we moved from Salesforce Classic to Salesforce Lightning, just a user interface change, I didn't even want to learn Lightning. Um, and then when we went from Process Builder to Flow, I was like, get me out of here before I have to learn Flow. Like, this is crazy. So to hear you frame it this way, that you know, coding used to feel like this big thing, and it seems like that's a theme in life, right? Like things that you don't know are scary. And then once you flip the lights on and see what the shadows are, suddenly it's like, oh, that's, that's not as scary as I thought it was. I just needed some time and experience with it to really get in front of it. So the path that you went was this boot camp, but what would you say to someone today if someone came up to you and they said, I, I have an interest in becoming specifically a Salesforce developer. So we know they're going to need to learn Apex at some point, right? Or LWC and Lightning Web Components. But so you're going to go this route to become a Salesforce developer, but I'm completely entry level. And let's assume I don't have a tech background. What would you recommend to someone to try to follow in your footsteps? Would it be exactly what you did or knowing what you know now, is there some variation to the steps you would take? So what I have actually found is I have a lot of friends now through the Talent Hacker program who are admins or they're consultants and they're not developers. But I think the key word that you said just now is like at some point, you know, you might want to become a developer. A lot of these individuals are already using developer tools, right? They're already having to track changes in source. They're already having to use GitHub they're already using VS Code or some or gear set, you know, or some other tool to do this as an admin. They have to do this anyway. So they're slowly bite by bite getting into a developer headspace. And the first developer cert is really the platform app builder cert that's listed under the developer path in Salesforce. So understanding change sets and package development is like the next step. And I think a lot of admins do that kind of work already. So it's not actually that far of a leap to go from, okay, I'm doing flows, which are like scratch coding, and I'm using these tools already for VS Code and you know GitHub, and I'm already in this space, I'm already using the CLI commands to do things. You're going to naturally just go into, okay, I'm going to write a trigger now, or I'm already writing formulas that are complex with validation roles. You know, you're already kind of doing a lot of that in your role as an admin or as a consultant. So it's really a very natural progression, I think, to just learn, okay, how do triggers work? How does Apex work? How do the Lightning Web Components work? Oh, so some new terminology for me here. <laughs> what does CLI mean? This is the command line interface. Oh, okay. I have heard of that. Okay, yeah. So in anytime if you're doing any kind of tracking changes and stuff, you're probably using the SFDX command. Anyway, I won't go too deep into that. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fascinating. You sound like you've been in the business for 10 years. The way you're speaking right now, really incredible. 
I want to get into because I don't talk to a lot of developers. Like, can you walk me through your typical workday? So, I mean, I think my typical workday is probably going to seem really similar to a lot of admins' typical workdays. You know, the first 10 to 15 minutes of my day is just like anybody else. You're doing a lot of housekeeping stuff, right? You're checking to see what messages might have come through. You're just looking at what, what you need to get the day started, right? That's just kind of morning time. But the kinds of tasks that I work on on a day-to-day could be you know, I'm not sitting here coding like crazy. I'm not staring at six screens, as <laughs> as Bradley mentioned. You know, it's it's not like that. I'm not in a dark cave somewhere. I'm not hacking. None of this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> None of that is happening. It's a lot of similar tasks. You know, I add validation rules. I add pick list values. I do all of the same things that an admin might do. I just do it from the command line. I do it using VS Code as opposed to going through the UE. And sometimes I do have to go through the UE. Sometimes it is the same stuff, you know, or I write unit tests to test my validation rules, something like that. You know, that's where coding comes in. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's something that people don't understand, you know, coming from 10 years of consulting, I worked with a lot of developers on a lot of projects. And at the end of the day, there were, there were some of those projects, if it was like a massive enterprise level project where you truly just had dedicated developers where you just said, this is what we need. And the technical design document gets approved and they just go to work and you never hear from them again kind of thing. You just It's like you get an email that says this is done and then some other user acceptance team tests to make sure that it actually works. But on a typical project, it wasn't like that. It was the developer was there gathering requirements with us and hearing some of those requirements and saying, yeah, I can do that. I've done that. Or uh, I don't think that's really what you want to do and helping do some of the BA work of understanding the needs. And is that really how Salesforce is going to work for you? Or that's really complex. And then dividing those lines of what's the best solution, right? They might say, you want to build that custom, but there's actually an app for that. And a lot of the things I could build for you, we could actually, it looks like it's 50 bucks a month to install an app that will do all those things for you. And you don't have to pay me $200 an hour for 200 hours to get those things done. You just need to pay 50 bucks a month and, and set that up through their guide. So from my experience, developers, just like every role in Salesforce that we've talked about, you know, consultants, business analysts, admins, developers. And this goes back to sort of a, a rant that I think I've had throughout uh, the podcast is that this is why job descriptions are so you know, they're, they're not worthless, but there's a lot of waste in a job description or assuming you'll ever be able to say a statement like that's not in my job description, because the reality is we're all working on projects and implementations and major enhancements, and we're all needed for a variety of things. So a developer still becomes a business analyst at times. And to your point, you know, you may choose to create your pick list fields through a different user interface, right? But I've non-developers who will just straight up log into Salesforce and click into the setup menu and go create a pickless field and do it that way. So I think everyone does a little bit of everything. And that leans to a point you made earlier was that you felt like getting these skills was never going to work against you, no matter what. You were going to come out of that boot camp with desirable skills. Whether you got the job or not was sort of beside the point. Of course, that was the desired outcome, but you knew you were coming out better. And you said that you would be, you figured you'd be a great admin having these development skills. And I think the same applies to the contrary of it's not going to make you a worse developer to have amazing admin skills or to have great business you know, analysis skills. 
so I could go on and on, but I think just to reiterate some of the points that you made, it's not one size fits all and it's not one direction is the correct direction. There are a lot of different approaches to getting to the point where you're at. I was going to ask you, because you mentioned the platform app builder certification being sort of the first certification on the developer track. And a lot of people, so if you don't know, we've talked about certs before, but typically in the Salesforce ecosystem now, it goes first cert, associate certification, second cert, administrator certification, third cert, platform app builder. That's sort of the typical direction people go when they're, I'll say, certification collecting. So you mentioned platform app builder being the first one on the way to the developer cert or the developer pathway. What other certifications would you recommend? Because I know there's a few different ones on the developer path. Do you have a route that you would recommend for people that are trying to break into development? You know, I I don't have my PD1 developer certification yet. That's something that's I'm still on track to get. And it's actually the more experience you get, the better you get at that exam too. <laughs> um, so I would say the PD1 cert is probably the next one that you would want to get. But another good one is the JavaScript one cert that they have. Those are both excellent choices for doing very broad Salesforce development. But I just want to point out that there's a lot of different developer types of roles in Salesforce because my first developer role didn't use Apex at all. I didn't have to do anything with Lightning Web Components. None of that stuff was useful to me in my first role because Marketing Cloud doesn't use any of that. So it depends on what you're using, what tool you're going to be working in. It depends on what you're actually going to be doing. So real quick before we finish or move on from that, I was thinking from the audience perspective, okay, so there's all these different roles and your first role didn't even use Apex, which is the known Salesforce specific coding language. So if I want to be a developer, would I take the general path? Like you said, like for the certifications, PD1 being platform developer one, which is sort of known as that's like, you got to kind of know your stuff to pass that one from a development perspective. You can't just walk in and start guessing what a developer would say. And then going into JavaScript, and I know that's a relatively newer within the last few years certification, is that if I'm I'm general, I don't necessarily have a job lined up that's demanding a specific skill. Is that how I'm going to show that value? Because that's the point, right? I want to tell a company, I'm serious about being a developer on the Salesforce platform. How do I let them know that? Is that Platform App Builder, Platform Developer One, and then maybe JavaScript, if I'm going to pick three to prove that I'm, I'm serious about being a developer? Yeah, I, I would say that those three would be the next three to get. And I mean, if you don't have a job lined up or you're not doing that kind of work in your day-to-day, then you would do those general certs. And then in your developer org somewhere, wherever you keep your repository of your Salesforce accomplishments, you know, you would go and add hey, look, I've made these Apex triggers and this is what it looks like. And here's how I use source to track changes on this app that I built, that kind of thing. So cool. All right. I I want to go back to what you said before. I, I didn't realize there's a marketing cloud developer path too. Can you explain the differences between the two? Yeah. So there's actually even multiple developer paths within marketing cloud, which is interesting. My first role as a developer Um, That was my first Salesforce role altogether was as a developer using a tool within Marketing Cloud called Personalization. And all of the work that I did was JavaScript. It was all JavaScript. So I never used any Apex. I didn't use any Lightning Web Components. I didn't use any Sockful Marketing Cloud. I didn't need any of that. In Marketing Cloud, 
there's also the marketing cloud developer track, which specifically focuses on your HTML, your CSS, your SQL language, like those things, which are also not JavaScript, right? So <laughs> you could just get by with JavaScript doing this one tool, or you could learn all those other things, which are all a part of full stack web development anyway, and do more marketing cloud type developer work. Is there a certain attribute that you would say make a person, I guess, without like stereotyping a person's, you know, attributes that, that make them better prepared to be a developer, not coming from a tech background? Like we think about, you know, business analysts being inquisitive and wanting to understand exactly how something works to really understand it from start to finish with no gaps in between. And, you know, administrators might be very logical and really wanting to like build out the processes, you know, live in an org. And, and again, like really diving in, are, are there anything specific that you might say someone is better suited from, you know, that baseline that they're just better suited to be a developer in your opinion? I think it depends on what you want out of your career. It's all an extension of the same analytical skills that you need in order to be a good business analyst, like you said, and good admin. If you want a role, though, that is more client-facing, then you probably don't want to go the developer route because that role is generally going to be not as client-facing. So if you want to be somewhere in the background and that's more your thing, then that might make you more suited to developer work. So question, your first developer role was different than your, your second one. How was the job search? I mean, they both have the word developer in them, but they were completely different. So how was your job search for your second role? Uh, so I didn't job search for my oh, second role. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> yeah, that was wild, actually. I just, I get a lot of in-mail offers and I mostly ignore them. I got one that just mentioned a really flexible work week and I could not ignore that. You know, like you, Bradley, I have a small child. That was of utmost importance to me. So wait, go on. Flexible work week, <laughs> continue. Yeah. So my, it was a, a 32 hour work week and that was just game changing. You know, it's an extra day to go to the zoo and hang out with my toddler. Um, and then wait, sorry. I just love the flexible <laughs> work week. If Anita's employer is uh, listening, if you could just go ahead and exit now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you working like normal business hours? Because some development work, it, it can be like asynchronous because you're not always talking to stakeholders or the business. I find like my developers I work with work different hours. Is that true for you? For me, no, it could be. But personally, again, mostly for the sake of my family, I try to keep things as um, structured as possible. But it could be, you know, if that was my personality, I totally could. For an entry-level person, would you say that, because I think you know from going through the Talent Stacker program and just being involved in the community, I would say more so than anything, that breaking into an entry-level Salesforce job, we always say that the path is clear, not easy. So what you need to do to be successful is is clear. It's outlined. We, we've outlined that. Now, does that mean you're just going to waltz in and it's all going to be smiles and you're just going to dive into a new role? Absolutely not. Like you're going to put in work and chances are you're going to go through some emotions. And if you're transitioning careers, which you are, then there's just emotions that come with switching to a new job and the imposter syndrome that comes along with that. All of that to say, do you think, because we hear this a lot, right? The developers are so in demand and they're paid so well. And I've, my perception has always been 
absolutely developers are the highest paid Salesforce role. But when we get down to the end of the day, Salesforce declarative workers are making in the low to mid 100,000s just a few years into their roles. And Salesforce developers, you might be able to argue, are making mid to high 100,000s, you know, a few years into their roles. And so me coming from a financial independence background, I was always interested in lifestyle design. And I always knew that I could do really well making $150,000 and I could do really well making $170,000. And that difference wasn't enough for me to pursue something I wasn't necessarily interested in just to make another $20,000. And I know for some people that may seem absurd. And I know for a lot of people who break into the Salesforce space, when they initially come in, they might be coming from a job that paid $50,000 and entry level, they make $70,000. And then one or two years later, they're making $100,000. And it's absolutely life-changing. But when you get to that point where sort of your hierarchy of needs are met and you're making $150,000 and you're talking about putting in a lot of effort to get to $170,000, it becomes less of a clear choice whether or not you really want to put in that effort for that. All of that to say, do you think it's easier for someone to break into an entry-level developer job than it is for them to break into an entry-level declarative job? I do not think so. I think that the entry-level declarative, you have to know the declarative work in order to do developer work. You just have to know what work looks like and how things work in there. I would also argue, though, that, and this is something that I think we talk a lot about in Townstucker, right? It's it's a skill set. So if you have the skills and you can showcase that you have the skills, then you're going to have a better time, you know, breaking into any kind of any kind of role, right? If you can show that you know how to do it, not just talk about it, right? Yeah, I would agree. And you know, just like really briefly, that the way I've always looked at it is if I can break into a Salesforce declarative job in say five to six months. But it would have taken me, say, eight or nine months to break into a developer job in order to learn those foundational skills from the declarative side and then layer on some maybe developer certification to prove an interest. I would sort of rather, in my opinion, given my, I mean, limited scope of understanding of the developer role, but I would rather get that job in five months and go get six months of experience and use my paid skills and understanding and experience to level up into those developer I would say areas of knowledge and then transition into being a developer rather than biting it all off. But that that's just me. And I think something to consider for the audience. I don't know if you thought about this yet, but I wanted to kind of touch on the career paths for a developer past the entry level. Do you have any, any long-term goals or what is like the standard path developers choose? Uh, my long-term goal is to stay employed with my current employer for as long as he'll have me. <laughs> nice way to squeeze that in there. <laughs> just gonna just gonna throw that in there. I really love my job. <laughs> well, staying with the same employer, I mean, you can move up to you know senior developer, architect, <laughs> different things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, definitely growing the skill set is a long-term goal. And it's just, you know, one bite at a time, you know, you just keep getting better. The more experience you gain, you grow. Eventually, if I have to, you know, teach somebody else, it's going to make it even easier to grow because, you know, when you teach others, you learn too. Speaking of teaching others, is there kind of like, um, I don't know, common challenges developers run into or that you ran into that may be different than a new admin would run into? So, I mean... 
there's a lot of tools that you use as a developer that you weren't necessarily using as an admin. But as I mentioned earlier, I see a lot of admins having to learn how to use those tools, learning how to use VS Code and GitHub and, you know, Gearset and even just learning how to use Excel, like really being really good at Excel or Google Sheets, like those things are all just really good places to to start. All right. This next question is kind of like a hot topic right now with AI, ChatGPT. I personally use it all the time. My role is not very technical. I know there's a lot of fears around it about AI replacing Salesforce admins and developers, developers especially since it can write code. What is your opinion on this? Have you tried it out? Does it work well? What do you think? I have not used ChatGPT at all in my role. I have used other AI tools before generally, not necessarily in my role. AI is not at the level of replacing humans just yet. It's not going to replace developers. It's good for ideation, but you still have to fact check. You still have to make sure that what it's giving you follows best practices, that it's not giving you something that you would never actually do in the real world. Uh, So no, I'm not worried about ChatGPT. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier, but I tested it out and dabbled with some like admin code and stuff. But I, I haven't been on the technical side for a while. So I don't know. I, I was just trying to help someone answer a question. And like the response it gave me uh, was not best practices. It, I think the response was something to the tune of giving modify all access to a user, which you definitely should not do. Something admins or developers should have only. But yeah, that's good to know. Your your role won't be replaced anytime soon. We'll have to see what comes in the future because it. I have been surprised with the ideation. It, it's great for ideas. It's great for like email templates I found and maybe roadmaps and next steps. But the coding and other stuff, it sometimes just makes up stuff <laughs> from what I've seen. Yeah, we've sort of, I've, I've seen the same perspective from my side. It seems like to, to me, it's any other tool and it can be an assistant. And I know a lot of people, I, I, I think the thing about technology is sometimes we expect perfection because we've seen tools like an email, you send an email and I receive the email and it looks exactly like what you wrote when you clicked send and it's perfect, right? And it's because we understand how that tool works and how it functions and how to use it. And I think a lot of times when new technology releases, we expect it to be perfect technology and chat GPT is far from perfect technology, far from And I think that's good news in a way, right? Like we all want technology to advance and things to get easier in life, but at what expense, right? So I think a lot of people are weary of, could this take someone's job? But to the point that both of you made, we're not anywhere close to anyone's job being taken. There's so much that goes into a job. Like like we were talking about, even a developer doesn't just code all day, far from that reality. So if that's true, then a tool that just does coding can't possibly be a developer if a developer does more than coding. And so it just goes back to that. And I'll say that in my career, I would consider myself relatively successful as a Salesforce consultant and moving into independent consulting and what I was able to carve out for myself. And a lot of it, I would say more than 50% of it was human communication and the ability to talk to another individual and make them feel comfortable and make them feel heard and hear about their child being sick and being able to communicate with them and being empathetic. And they had a relationship with me, which drove our business relationship. And it wasn't because I was an amazing coder and I could get things done in 30 seconds. 
it was because they enjoyed working with the team that they were working with. And I don't think that's anything a bot of any type is ever going to replace. And I think at the end of the day, people are going to, to some degree, prefer a human connection. And of course, I think if we can use a tool like ChatGPT as our assistant to make us better at our jobs, people are going to prefer to work with humans who are better at their jobs, but they're not going to just want to work with a robot day in, day out. I could be wrong, but I, I don't see that being the case. So I wanted to do a quick summary of sort of what we've talked about and really what we're coming back to here. And we talked a lot about you know being a developer and what that can look like and how we can get into that role. And I think one of the major points and the takeaways here was that being a developer isn't some vastly different role than being a business analyst or a Salesforce administrator or a Salesforce consultant. There's so many pieces that carry over. And you know what we heard was that if you're already a Salesforce business analyst or you're already a Salesforce administrator, you may not be as far away from being a Salesforce developer as you're thinking. And it seems like this distant thing that's just so far out of reach, and it may be much closer than you think. And I think what we also heard was that the fundamentals apply. The fundamentals of, I think, what we would call a job search strategy apply. It doesn't matter if you're looking for an admin role, an analyst role, a consulting role, a project manager role, or you're looking to be, I don't know, the, the checkout person at a grocery store. Like A lot of the same things apply anytime you're looking to convince a company that you're worth them spending the time to train and hire and give benefits to, and hopefully you're not going to quit next week and all these kind of things. So being on LinkedIn, we talked about the fact that we had recruiters knocking at the door constantly and having to decline the vast majority of them, right? Because you can only work for one company at a time unless you're one of these people who tries to pull off the double jobs and all that kind of stuff. But you're going to decline a lot more than you accept once you get LinkedIn rolling. But there is no one messaging you in your inbox if you don't have LinkedIn up to date and you don't have yourself marked as a developer with X number of years of experience and five certifications, that rapport is not being built. So it's never going to happen. So I think going back to the fundamentals, especially what we talked about in episodes one through eight on the show, it's LinkedIn and it's your networking and it's your communication and it's your resume and it's your ability to appeal to employers so that they can hire you regardless of what role that you're going into. Thank you so much, Tamara. Do you have any last piece advice for someone who wants to become a Salesforce developer? Well, it's it might seem really scary to learn a developing language or to, you know, take on a boot camp or a coding boot camp, but there's some great tools available on Trailhead. If you want to go that route, you can do the PD1 cert path or the JavaScript one cert path. You don't necessarily have to go through a whole giant bootcamp uh, experience. But it's also just not as daunting as it might seem. You'll, you'll probably find that, oh, okay, now I figured this out. David K. Liu has some great resources. There's plenty of really great resources out there. Awesome. And we'll share some of those resources in the show notes. But for anyone out there who wants to get started, start with the basics, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start. And if you're enjoying the podcast and these episodes that we're sharing, please take a moment to subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. And if you don't mind, go ahead and leave us a review and some feedback and let us know how we're doing. If you would like to ask a question in your feedback, you can do that and we'll get that answered in one of our Q&A episodes. And you can also head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail and leave a voicemail question if you would like to. And actually, our next episode is going to be a Q&A episode. So make sure to get those questions in. We'll get them answered. 
And we look forward to hearing you on the next show. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonca. If you like what we do at this scrappy can-do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.